Okay, praise the Lord. Um, I think I'm going to pray. So, all right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we do come before you this morning, God. And uh, God, more than anything, Lord, we're grateful for your word, Father. God, I thank you for your word, Father. God, I thank you that you anoint your word, God, that you anoint your truth, Father. God, I thank you that you're speaking to us today, Father. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, Father. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit reveals your word to us, Father. God, I thank you that your word uh, teaches us and corrects us, Father. God, I thank you that the entrance of your word brings light, Father. I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay, well, uh, this morning I'm, I'm not asking much. I'm just asking uh, the Lord to use me to encourage you to miss some meals. That's all. So, uh, And it's only the 4th of July weekend, right? So this would only be better if uh, Pastor CJ had asked for this message on Thanksgiving weekend. But uh, uh, the, we've shared some about Generation Truth, and um, all the theme of Generation Truth was I am yours, and the messages were all from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, just a little bit of real quick background. Some of you guys know that there was a point in time we were planning on making an awesome trip to Colorado, and it was going to be great. And uh, uh, we got it got to be kind of late in the spring, and and uh, we were looking at the finances, and they just really were not where we had hoped that they would be in terms of getting everybody there because it's it's pretty expensive, and. Uh, uh, so we called all the kids in, the kids that were signed up to go. These are such incredible kids. And we called them all in and said, hey, uh, this is where we are. We, you know, we, it'd be better if we had more money at this point, but we're going to pray. And we're going to just come, honestly come before the Lord and ask him what he wants us to do. If he wants us and whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it in faith. So if we decide, okay, we're going to go ahead and, and go to Colorado, we're going to do that in faith. If we say, hey, you know what? We feel like the Lord's saying, let's just stay here and go ahead and have Generation Truth here this summer. We're going to do that in faith. And so this an awesome bunch of kids. We, you know, turned on the worship music and we uh, got before the Lord and, and, uh, and we prayed for a long time. And pretty soon we came back together a little bit at a time and, and everybody was pretty much on the same page. We felt like, you know what, God wants us to be here this summer. And I felt like God would have a tremendous word for us, that there was a purpose in us being here this summer. And so... Uh, um, it was just right after that, pretty, I mean, almost like within a few days that um, I felt like God spoke to me so strongly about uh, the message for Generation Truth. And it was, like I said, it's out of Matthew 6, and it was uh, where Jesus teaches about uh, giving and praying and fasting, those three things. And so uh, the message that I gave was on fasting and uh, uh CJ listened to it, like he said, and he, he asked me to give it, and uh, I said, okay, and I was kind of hoping to make this a little fancier because you guys are a bit of a more sophisticated crowd than the teens, but I don't have any. I prayed, and I don't have anything different, so I'm pretty much just going to give it to you like we gave it to the teenagers. Um, I do have to give the shorter version. About I've got about half the time, so uh, uh, I am going to give the shorter version. Uh, my husband doesn't believe that I can give the short version of anything. So we'll see. He doesn't think I can give the short version of anything, and I don't understand why anybody would want the short version of anything. So, you know, 
It's like minimal details, really? That's desirable? Okay. But uh, so so uh, we came together and uh, and we taught on giving and praying and fasting. And uh, when we were casting the vision for this, when I was telling Todd about this, I was actually like, I was excited about a message on fasting because the Lord had been stirring it up in my heart. But I didn't think anybody else was going to be excited about a message on fasting. And and uh, uh, speaking to teenagers about fasting really seems, you know, out there. We know what, you know, teenagers like to eat, you know, and, and they're not, on the whole, they're not necessarily known for living in a sacrificial way, you know. So it seemed like it was kind of like, wow, God, okay. And, uh, I, you know, I was wanting to share it with Todd, and I was going to, you know, share everything that I had, you know, that I felt like the Lord was saying about it. And, and I kind of hem hawed around about it and then finally got to the, you know, point that there was going to be a lot on fasting. And he was like, well, okay. You know, he said, uh, he said, when you explain it, you know, I can, I can, you know, have a vision for it too. But anyway, okay. Matthew six. Um, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, I think everybody in here is pretty familiar with that scripture. He, uh, Each one of them says Jesus uh, is at a point where he's teaching. Um, Not too long ago, Greg gave a tremendous message about faith. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was such a tremendous message. And uh, he talked about how much of a teacher Jesus was and how Jesus was always teaching. He was always teaching. And so I think he said like two-thirds of the ministry of Jesus was teaching. And so he, here he is in Matthew 6, and he's teaching the disciples. And he teaches them about giving, and he teaches them about praying, and he teaches them about fasting. And in each of those, each of those, each one individually, he promises an open reward. He says each of them, when he's admonishing them about them, he says to do them in secret, and God will reward you openly. I think that's tremendous that there is a promise for an open reward. Uh, of those things, of the giving and the praying and the fasting, probably for most of us, the, fastings, the fasting is what our lifestyles would most speak to what we really believe about it. Because uh, most of us, you know, probably, I mean, we've, most of us have been church for a long time and, you know, we we're born again and all that and our, our hearts have been redeemed and renewed and we have a desire to give. You know, and sometimes even like a desire to give big, you know, and um, and we know that we should give and we have a desire to pray and to fellowship with God. And we know that we should pray and fellowship with God. But for most of us, I think if we were like to really be honest about it, we think of fasting as an optional thing. We don't have it in the same category as giving and praying. I do want to say just real quick that I feel pretty lit up inside, really, about about this, about Matthew chapter 6. And I really feel like God is saying that, and this is part of the word that I think is for the body of Christ now, that these three things together, I don't think that it was just like a haphazard thing that Jesus took, selected these three things and, and taught on them at that moment together. I think this is like a, probably like just some kind of power trio. And, uh, um, that's what the, the theme for Generation Truth was still up there. It was, I am yours. And we were very specifically saying, I am yours, not just in a, 
like a la, 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 oh, I'm yours, Lord, you know, kind of a way. But we wanted to say specifically, I am yours, as in I am making myself available. I'm going to make myself available to you, Lord, in giving, and I'm going to make myself available to you in praying, and I'm going to make myself available to you in fasting. So saying I am yours in a very tangible way. And I really think that um, I really think that doing these three things together, making yourself available in giving and in prayer and in fasting, is uh, going to access something you know very powerful. I don't think it was just like a haphazard thing that Jesus taught on those three things. Where was I? I don't know where I was. Um, anyway, we typically, if we you know we really approach fasting, most of us. Probably not all of us, but a lot of us approach fasting like it's um, optional and um, and uh, may not even necessarily feel that convicted about it. But here we are. Jesus is teaching and he's teaching about these three things together and he makes absolutely no distinction. He does not set fasting apart from giving and praying at all. He treats them. He treats them the same. And so he doesn't say, he says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And uh, he doesn't qualify the fasting at all. He doesn't say, and if the Holy Spirit leads you to fast. He doesn't qualify at all. He says, when you fast, just like we pray and give, you know, we should, we should fast. Um, also, we know that when um, the disciples of the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist, you know, when they confronted Jesus... And they said, hey, how come you're deciding we're fasting and you're not? And he told them, you can't fast when the bridegroom's with you, but there will come a day when the bridegroom will leave. And in that day, they will fast. So we know that this was an expectation in the word that we would fast. You know, we <clears throat> can't really uh, get away. Now, I want to, I want to just say this, and uh, then I'm going to just go into high speed mode. But so you have to hang on. Um, But I really I've been studying on this for most of the spring. Uh, It it just so happened that at the very beginning of the year, um, my daughter and some of her friends uh, did a Daniel fast at the very beginning of the year. And it really kind of honestly, it kind of piqued my curiosity and it kind of stirred me up a little bit. And I and I uh, it just kind of made me want to think about fasting a little bit more and learn about it a little bit more. And, and uh, I think sometimes when young people do something, it's just especially inspiring, you know. And so it did. It inspired me. And so throughout the spring, I've just been studying on this. I've been studying on this fasting. And honestly, after the – and still, I mean, it's minimal. The studying I've done is minimal. I've, I've uh, been in the Word, and I've, um, I've read some books, so, um, some of the stuff I'll share today is stuff the Lord's given me. Some of the stuff I'll share today is stuff that other people studied out that I've, you know, read some of their works. But um, after reading all of that, I, and I want to uh, say that I have not been a faster. I have not ever purposed in my heart to make fasting a consistent part of my walk with the Lord. I have fasted. I've had occasions that I've fasted. Nobody would ever accuse me of being a consistent faster. But honestly, after getting in the Word and studying some of these things out, I'm like, I don't know why. I really don't know why. And uh, um, 
I really feel like that this that fasting is a huge factor in why we are not seeing some of the things that we want to be seeing or that we feel like we should be seeing, you know, things that um, maybe that God's visions or dreams or things like that, that God's put in your heart. And maybe it's just been there forever and it just doesn't seem to be, you know, manifesting on the outside or or healing or, you know, uh, the moving of God or just things that we know, according to the word, should be happening. And I really feel like that our lack of fasting is a huge factor in that. Of, uh, of why we're not seeing some of the things we think we should do, we should be seeing. So hang on a second. Okay. So I just am going to share. I'm going to share from the word. I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'm just going to remind you. Um, because most of these stories I think you guys already know. So I'm just going to put you in remembrance of them. And But I want you to hear them. Be reminded of them within the context of fasting because these stories we're all familiar with, but we don't always necessarily, you know, think about the fasting part of it. But fasting has been fasting was part of the word, you know, from the very beginning. And uh, uh, you see some of the, the, the most incredible stories in the Bible. Fasting was a part of it. And so I just want to uh remind you of these things and just to think about the fasting that was involved and the um, result that came from that time of fasting. Also, um, something I kind of learned along the way, there's a huge connection between fasting and humbling yourself. There's a very, there's a, a big connection between fasting and humbling yourself. And I discovered that a lot of the times in the word, when it talks about Humbling yourself, like, you know, like, especially you see that a lot in the Old Testament when it talks about humbling yourself. You can almost assume that there was fasting involved in that. For the Lord, there's a big connection between humbling yourself and fasting. Okay, so just real quick, I'm going to do this so fast. Okay, Uh, just go over these. Okay, Moses, when he received the Ten Commandments, Moses, he was fasting. Uh so, you know, you think about that for a second, right? You know, uh, Esther, of course, Esther, you know, what a tremendous, what a tremendous turn of events to go from her people being on the brink of being annihilated to just completely turning it on the ones that were, you know, coming against her. And she, she called a fast. Uh, Hannah fasted over her barrenness. Um, Jehoshaphat, love the story of Jehoshaphat. He's a a guy, I think the Bible says, like, he's surrounded by vast armies. I mean, like, if you told me he was surrounded by armies, I'm going to picture a lot of people. But you, and I think it even names, seems like it, like, names the different kingdoms that were there. But you tell me that he's surrounded by vast armies. I'm like, I'm thinking you can't even see where, where it ends. And he's surrounded by vast armies, the Bible says, and he uh, uh, calls a fast for all of Judah. I'm like, what does that even look like? You know, a whole nation fasting. And it says they came to Jerusalem and fasted with him, but he needed direction. And so he called, that was his response, was to call a fast in the midst of this situation. His response was to, to call a fast. And, uh, and he, they, it was a mighty deliverance. Like they didn't even have to do anything. 
As a matter of fact, he, he does this thing where he, like, sends the band in first. You know? I mean, who does that? You know? And he, and he, he sends the band in first, and they don't even do anything, and they, nothing, except send these singers out. And then everybody's just, the army's just dead, you know? And they, and they get all this loot and everything. But, but his response to that was the fasting, you know, was to call a fast. Uh, let's see. I'm, I, I didn't determine what I was going to skip here, so just bear with me. I'm going to decide on the way what I'm skipping. Um, Ezra, he was going back. He was, uh, had been asked. That was a miraculous story. And he was going. They were in captivity, and he had been asked by um, the Persian king uh, to given the okay to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, to take some people with him and rebuild Jerusalem. They had this incredibly dangerous journey, and the Bible says they stood outside the gate. I think that's what it says when they were leaving, and it says, and he, he fasted. He called a fast, and they fasted with them, and it says, and with their little ones, they fasted. And they needed direction and they need safety. Listen to me. It's totally scriptural to fast for direction. If you need direction, it's totally scriptural to fast for that. Uh, Nehemiah, um, he saw the condition of Jerusalem. And it says he wept and he fasted. Uh, I was recently, I heard this message from Mario Murillo. And he was talking about this recently. He was in South Africa. And he... um, went into this huge public high school in South Africa. And the principal of the school came up to him and, and she said, uh, are, you the one that's, um, are you the one that's preaching this morning? And, uh, and, and he said, yes. And she said, listen, she said, I want you to preach the gospel to these students. And if the Lord directs you, I want you to lay hands on them. I want to see all of these students. This is the principle of a public high school. I want to see all these students set free from drugs. I want to see them born again. She said, if if the Lord gives you words of healing, then we will cancel classes, and we are going to let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. And I was just like, wow. You know, that is what an amazing, amazing thing to happen. At the same time, man, it kind of broke my heart. You know, because I felt like on hearing that, it just kind of almost made my knees buckle because I felt like that should be my country. There should be so much liberty here that you could go into a public high school and have the principal come and say, you preach the gospel, you know. And so, you know, I look at that and I think it's probably time that we saw the condition of our city, you know, and wept and and fasted over it. And I know people are. Uh, Daniel, of course, there's a couple fasts in Daniel. You talk about your open reward. Daniel was given, what does it say, like all, he, he and his little friends there, they were given like tremendous wisdom and knowledge. You know, that's a tremendous um, open reward. So uh, in the New Testament, fasting did not pass away. In between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the New Testament, we see um, Anna fasting. And it says she, she was like a widow, I think, for like 84 years or something like that. And she's fasting. And what was unique about Anna? She recognized Jesus as a baby, didn't she? As a baby, you've got, you've got a whole, you know, you've got all these uh, 
experts on the law and everything. You have all these people that did not recognize Jesus. And here's this woman that spends her days in fasting and prayer. And she's able to recognize Jesus as a baby. Um, I honestly believe the Bible doesn't tell us that Simeon fasted. But all the things that he says, it says about Simeon. I, I believe Simeon was a faster. Paul. Uh, when Paul received his calling, Paul is one of the most is one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, I think. I mean, you know, that's a testimony that's pretty exciting to me. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of having somebody in your life make that kind of turnaround. I have seen that. And uh, and Paul is an incredible story. When Paul received his calling from God, he was fasting. When Peter uh, when when Peter had the revelation that the gospel would be made available to the Gentiles, too. That was radical. That was a radical revelation. And there's this, you know, this whole story. It's in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius, the, the, who the story involves, was fasting. He was fasting at the same hour that God gave Paul a vision that, I'm sorry, Peter, gave Peter a vision and that the gospel would be made available to the Gentiles. That's huge. That's huge. And so we see in the Bible, you know, we can see all these, and I skipped a lot, but we can see all these amazing testimonies coming out of people doing what was probably quite normal for them to do in situations, which was to call a fast. And so, of course, there's somebody very specific I have not mentioned that also fasted. Who is it? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus fasted. Okay, so basically what happens is uh, Jesus, he goes down, he gets uh, baptized by John the Baptist, and this dove comes down, and the heavens open up, and uh, immediately after that, the heavens open up, and God's like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately after that, the Lord leads him into the wilderness on a 40-day fast, immediately after that, and that is how he began his ministry. If you have... A ministry in your heart, you know, you really ought to begin a fast. Now, what Jesus did was a supernatural fast. He had no food or water for 40 days. But that was a supernatural fast. So, uh, but you ought to, if if there's something in your heart that it is just not, you know, coming out, you can, a fast will bring that, will bring that out. I I have testimonies about that. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus began his ministry with a fast. And I thought it was interesting to realize that uh, food was used as a temptation, right? In the fall of man, it was food that was used as a temptation. And Jesus begins his ministry by abstaining from food. I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, so I do want to read one particular portion of scripture. Oh, uh. It's in Matt. You can turn on your iPhone to Matthew 17. Or maybe you carry a Bible just like the one the Apostle Paul carried and you don't have these. Okay. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 17. Okay. It says, And when they approached the multitude, a man came up to him. I'm sorry. Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they approached the multitude, a man came up to him, kneeling before him and saying, Lord, do pity and have mercy on my son, for he has epilepsy. 
and he suffers terribly, for frequently he falls into the fire and many times into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they were not able to cure him. Okay, so this man brings his son, asking Jesus to help him with it. And he says, now, I, I took him to, to your disciples, and, uh, and they, weren't able to, they weren't able to help him. I'm looking for a verse. Anyway, if you, if you back up, this is Matthew chapter 17. Now, if you back up, I think it's Matthew 10, 1. Does somebody have that? I'm not going to take time to look it up on my Bible. No, Matthew 10, chapter 1. If you back up to Matthew 10, chapter 1, somebody, you want to read it? So back however long ago seven chapters was, Jesus had called the disciples together and he had given them power to heal all kinds of disease and to cast out all kinds of, how does it say it? And to cast out all kinds of demons, unclean spirits, whatever. All kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease, authority over all, all kinds of unclean spirits. Seven chapters earlier, Jesus had given them the authority to do that. And yet they find themselves uh, in this place where, uh, oh, and I just found it on my page. Okay. Uh, and uh, he had given them authority to do that. And yet here they are, and this man's coming, said, I took him to the disciples, but they weren't able to cure him. And Jesus answered, I'm back in Matthew 17, verse 17. It says, and Jesus answered, oh, you unbelieving, uh, perverse generation, how long am I to remain with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus and asked privately, why could we not drive it out? Now, this is a great question. Uh, And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, and of course we know a grain of mustard seed is like so tiny, it's like nothing. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to yonder place and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. But... This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. See, Jesus was able to deal with that stubborn spirit. Why? Because he had fasted. You know, I used to, like, in my, when I would read that verse, I would think in my mind, okay, if you're in a ministry situation and you come up against something that's not moving, then I guess that means you should go fast. Not that I ever did that, really, but... Um, but that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I thought of it in my mind. Like this probably means you need to go fast, but I just realized in really looking at this, no, if we were fasting like Jesus, he had already been fasting and that's why he didn't have a problem casting that. He didn't have a problem dealing with that. It wasn't impossible for him because he had already fasted. Now, if Jesus could have done Everything he did on the earth, if he could have done everything he came to do on the earth without fasting, why would Jesus have fasted? Why would he have fasted? If he could have done it all without fasting, why would he have fasted? But he knew, see, Jesus knew that there were supernatural things of God that were only going to be released in fasting. 
He knew that. And it kind of begs another question. If Jesus needed to fast, you know, how much more, you know, how much more, you know, should we? And, of course, we could go scripture after scripture of verses that say, follow his example. Follow his example. Well, he fasted. So uh, um, just a few, like, quick testimonies from more current times. I said I have fasted. I have not been a consistent faster. Definitely, definitely have not purposed in my heart to be a faster. It's been like this kind of random, sketchy kind of a thing. And so, but when I think back about times that I have fasted, it's big-time testimony. Um, I'm not sure what the disconnect has been, but praise the Lord, we're getting connected here. Um, There was a time... Uh, there was a time that the church was doing these uh, women's encounters, and Teresa asked us to do a three-day fast. That was the first time I had ever done a fast that long. And not that I've done them multiple times since, but that was the first time I had ever, like, gone on a three-day fast. And she asked us all to fast, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, um, and it was so hard. It was so hard. Some of you probably do this all the time. You're like, what's the big deal? But it was so hard. And uh, even I was just like, it was like almost like a tormenting thing. And uh, I would, um, what I did, anytime I've done like a three-day fast or any kind of fast, typically what I do is uh, whatever meal that I'm missing, go pull aside somewhere for like at least an hour, you know, and spend that time praying. And uh, anyway, that fast was so hard. And I can remember like on the second day thinking, this is ridiculous. All I can think about is food. That's all I can think about it. I would be able to pray so much more clearly if I just ate. I mean, this is like a waste. Now, listen, that was like uh, uh, we don't even we don't even live in that house anymore. But I have this picture embedded in my brain. I'm sitting. I'm standing like in the dining room, looking in the living room. And my children are like watching a movie or something. And they have this bowl of corn chips. And I can see that, like that, that, that picture of that bowl of corn chips is like burned on my brain. And I mean, I remember it. And I remember thinking, I'm going to eat a stinking corn chip because this is ridiculous. And, uh, but you know, but they knew, my children knew that I was fasting for three days. And that was the thin little thing that kept me on track for that fast that I knew I had enough sense to think. I need to see this through, even if it's just for their sake. Even if this is a total waste of time, I need to see this through, you know, for their sakes. And so I saw it through to the end. Well, you know, I realize now, um, during that particular women's encounter, um, I could hear the Spirit so clearly, so specifically. I mean, really specifically. And a lot of times, if we're sharing testimonies or we're visiting about times that you felt like God has spoken to you so clearly, honestly, I can tell you that a lot of the things I would share are from that. And so I know that fasting does help you be way more in tune with the Lord. Um, when Todd was asked to come on staff as a youth pastor, uh, we ha- came out of like about a 10-day fast it wasn't a total fast we would um basically we had uh no income coming in (laughs) we were at uh not in a good place and um 
Todd was trying to get a job. I was trying to get a job. We came up with this plan. I mean, things were just kind of getting worse and worse, and we came up with this plan. I was going to work at night, and he was going to work during the day because we had to have some income. And it was like beating our heads on a brick wall. Neither one of us could gain employment. And, uh, I mean, it, everything would happen. Like I, I read about this job folding clothes at night. And I was like, I can do that. I can do that. I mean, who was not going to hire me to fold clothes at night? And, like, I'd get anything like that. I'd get there, and it would be gone because we just needed some, we needed some income. It was getting desperate. And after beating our heads, like I said, like on a brick wall, it just was not happening. It's like, what is the deal here? And so we felt like the Lord spoke to us to pull aside in a fast, to quit looking and to pull aside in a fast. And so we told some people, I remember telling uh, Pastor Dale and Teresa and telling Gary and Candy, yeah, so we're going to quit looking for a job. And uh, so we felt like we should not just do that, that we should tell some people. And so we did. And, and so we ended up fasting for about 10 days. And we would just get up and we would pray all day long. And then we would eat dinner at night just seeking the Lord. And um, after about 10 days, we felt that we didn't know how long we were going to fast. We just felt like the Lord told us to do that. And so after about 10 days, we felt a release from the fast. And then this job opened up for Todd. It was nothing to be excited about. It was like it did not pay enough to, you know, meet our needs, but it was income. We were happy. You know, you can really learn the value of a $5 bill pretty quick. Um, but uh, this job opened. I think he was on that job for, I can't remember what we decided, like less than two weeks. And uh, he was up on it, doing this young man's job, <laughs> framing houses. And uh, he was uh, up on the roof. And here came Pastor Dale in his car out on this job site and said he wanted to talk to him. And, and they brought us in. And the thing about it, we were not fasting to become youth pastors at New Covenant Fellowship. We were, uh, who would do that? So, uh, um, you don't want to do that. We were fasting to survive, you know. We were fasting for our family, you know, for survival. But the thing about it is that just happens to be the next door that God had for us. And uh, um, I could go on and on about that thing, you know, doors that were shutting. And anyway, but that was, that was at the end of a fast. The next, see, some of you know that, that you are ready for the next thing, that there's something that's next and just the transition, you know, isn't happening, you know, I would say fast, pull aside in a fast, you know, to see that that happened to be the door that God wanted to open for us was to be, um, to come on staff as the youth pastors. But, uh, that was, that happened during a fast. Um, just real quickly, um, Melinda Todd says, you guys know Melinda Foshi. Um, when she was, uh, uh, 17, she said, she was uh, very, very ill, and uh, she was pretty much dying, right? And uh, um, she needed a healing, and uh, somehow they determined, I believe she went on a two-week fast, and uh, when she was 17 years old, she went on a two-week fast. And I don't know, if she, was she the only one fasting, or were you and Charlie fasting too? You don't remember. <laughs> and so they, they went on a fast because she needed it was desperate. She needed healed. And uh, they fasted for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, she had just a miraculous healing. And, uh, and you know, here she is today. And so um, also, just real quick, um, I had a very close friend who had a daughter that was in um, just in a, a, a really terrible relationship, 
Some of the, I'm telling you this stuff because you, I feel like some of it, there's people in here that can relate. Um, she had, her, their daughter had been, like, gotten involved with this guy. I think she was, like, a junior in high school when she had gotten involved with this guy. And this is, like, five years later that this relationship had, you know, gone on, and it was not good. This guy was not an honorable guy. And it was a, one of those situations that's just heartbreaking for anybody that's watching it. And, and uh, the Lord led her to go on a 40-day fast. And um, her daughter was away at college, and the Lord led her to, to do a 40-day fast. And um, it wasn't a complete fast either, but she fasted during the day. And I think she fasted some sleep, too. She just did what the Lord, what she felt like the Lord led her to. But she went on a 40-day fast. And at the end of 40 days, she got in her car, and she drove, I think it's like six hours, something like that. And she drove six hours to just go get her. And uh, I don't know that she even knew what to expect. Well, during that 40 days, God was targeting her daughter. And, you know, fasting will do that, too. It will, God will target your children when you fast. And uh, God was targeting her. And um, basically for her, during those 40 days, things went from really bad to really, 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 really bad. And at the, at the end of those 40 days, when she drove there just to pick her up, and you understand all of this last five years, this person has not been open <laughs> You know, to any of this, and she drove to pick her up, and uh, she got in the car and came home with her. Just left everything. She walked out of school. She was it was in the middle of a semester. She walked out. She did end up finishing school later, but she got in the car. She was ready. It was a miracle. You know, that's a miracle. That is a miracle. And she got in the car. You know, that was a time of fasting, is what God used. You know, to move in that situation, and uh, she came, she, and she never looked back. She never, ever, ever looked back. And uh, she, I think they have such, she has a beautiful testimony because um, she's married. She's got a little girl. And uh, her and her husband, they got to experience doing everything right. You know, here she had been in this, you know, relationship that was such a bad thing. And yet she turned to the Lord. And it was just like, when she turned, it was just like these doors just opened for her. And she left it all behind. And and uh, God opened so many doors for her, and then she got to experience a godly courtship and a godly marriage. And I think that's a beautiful. I think that's a beautiful thing. So, um, uh, just real quick, I keep saying that it's only 11:39. Um, real quick, when I was uh, when I was studying all this, um, a couple of places that uh, fasting showed up that kind of surprised me. Took me a couple of places that I saw it that. Uh, things that we quote quite a bit <laughs> and uh i was we don't quote the fasting part and so i was surprised to see that there was a connection these are probably possibly as far as todd and i go and kind of you know who we pray with and things like that these are maybe possibly the two most quoted verses possibly and uh there's a fasting connection so um here we go Here's the fasting part. Therefore, also now, says the Lord, turn and keep on coming to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, until every hindrance is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. And it goes on to say, blow the trumpet in Zion, set apart a fast, a day of restraint and humility, call a solemn assembly. And that is in Joel chapter 2. And we quite frequently quote Joel 2:28 and 29 and afterward I will pour out my spirit up, and afterward 
Don't know why I didn't think about that word. Okay. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even upon the men servants and the maid servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So this was like actually our verse for Generation Truth last year. And so, and I have prayed this verse a lot. I pray that verse over, since my oldest was a baby, I have prayed this verse over my children. Because I don't want them to be filled with the Spirit, you know, and operating in all the good gifts. And so, it was curious for me to realize how much it talked about fasting, you know, right before that. And then um, another place, I, I mentioned this early in the message. It says, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. And that is right above a verse that we quote all the time. It says, the next verse says, No one sews a patch of unshrunken new goods on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, and the new from the old, and the rent becomes bigger and worse than it was before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and the bottle is destroyed. But new wine is to be put in fresh wineskins. And we talk about new wineskins a lot. <laughs> and uh, and just it was enlightening for me to realize that, you know what, there's pro- that we could pull aside in some fasting and fast for some new wineskins. You know, the, that passage of Scripture, it does go on to say that if you've tasted the old wine, you're not going to want the new wine. It says that. You know, so if you're like, what's all this new wine? I don't want this new wine. The old wine was fine. You know, it's, the Bible tells us that we're going to feel that way, that we're going to not want the new wine. You know, probably, I'm not going to say probably. Honestly, if, we, you know, we could pull aside and fast and probably there would be a hunger for the new wine, you know, uh, new wine all the time. But there's definitely, clearly there's a connection with fasting and new wineskins, and we need new wineskins. You know, everything is moving all the time. It's moving. The church is not the one thing that's not going to move. I mean, how many of you have a cell phone in here? You know, everything in your life is constantly moving. The church is not going to be the one thing that God wants to stay stagnant. Of course it's not. It's going to be moving, and things are going to change, you know. And, and uh, so we need to fast for the new wineskins. Of course we want new wine. Of course we want new wine. Okay. Oh, where am I? Okay, so real quick here. For real. Um, just real quick. Um, Romans 12, 1. Uh, what does that say? You guys know this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Living, squirming, not cooperating sacrifices, you know, that we are. Fasting, of course, is such an obvious way that we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Now, you guys know. That if you allow your flesh, it will, if you let it, your flesh will absolutely control every area of your life if you were to let it. It will. It will make every decision for you. If you allow that, it will. Fasting, when you fast, 
you pull aside and you you're basically saying Jesus is Lord of this body, you know. And so you are uh, establishing dominion and authority over your body when you fast. Okay, it's a critical way to help you do that. Establish authority and dominion over your body. Your fast doesn't have to be outrageously difficult, you know. I think that it's something that you should start, like, where you are. I know because I was talking about this a lot through the spring and studying on it and stuff, Todd and I decided, okay, we're going to put our hand to this. And so we decided that we would fast once a week. We would fast. And so, like, the first day, the first time that we did it, like, we made up, came up with some excuse. I don't even, I'm not sure what it was, but we came up with this really great excuse of why we should eat dinner that night. And so we ate dinner that night. It was like something to do with when the sun had come up and when the sun had gone down. I don't know. Anyway, it was some it was some really legitimate excuse. And so we ate dinner that night. And then, you know, the next week it was we were able to uh, fulfill that. I'm hearing from your kids. Some of you have children that are putting their hand to this and they've got and they're fasting for their generation. They're fasting for their generation. And you know what? We've got to come alongside them We should have been fasting for their generation all along, but we've got to come along beside them. But it doesn't have to be outrageously difficult. If it means something to you, it's going to mean something to God. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to make it this, you know, terrible thing. But I do really think, want to make sure that we're thinking of fasting in the context of food. Because we talk a lot about fasting media or, you know, fasting coffee or, you know, things like that. And that's good. I mean, that's always like a good thing to do. But just for simplicity's sake, we really should think on the whole, think of fasting as fasting from food. And really, when you're fasting, uh, going on a media fast should be just the most natural thing that accompanies that. Because you're pulling aside. When you fast, you're pulling aside to hear from the Lord And so it should be just like almost like I think you would find that it would be pretty automatic that you're going to shut the TV off. You know, you're going to turn the radio down, you know, all those things. It should go along with it. And anytime, even if you're eating, doing a media fast, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm just saying I want us to think of this as fasting food, missing meals. You know, I found a very simple definition for fasting. It is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. So that's just pretty simple definition of fasting. Refrain from food for a spiritual purpose. However, if you do not accompany your fast with prayer, then it's just dieting. That's all it is. At best, it's just dieting. It's not biblical fasting. Biblical fasting is going to be accompanied by prayer. And uh, um, when you fast, you're not manipulating God. You're not trying to beg God. You're not trying to punish yourself so God will do something for you. You're not manipulating him. You're not twisting his arm. It's nothing like that. You are just putting yourself in a position. You're you're getting your heart in a position so that you can receive from him and hear from him. You're a lot of there's a lot of health people that that talk a lot about fasting that feel like it has tremendous health benefits. 
because you kind of clean out your system when you're when you fast your system gets cleaned out and so it's the same thing with fasting spiritually a lot of that junk and gunk is going to get cleaned out when you're fasting and so if you're fasting on a regular basis what i mean you're going to stay you know more uh, spiritually more cleaned out from the you know the junk from the world uh so it's not trying to manipulate him. It's just preparing your heart for what God wants. And it does have an effectual result. You see it time, time, time again in the word. Time again in the word. There is an effectual result from fasting. So uh, just to conclude, I think, hang on. Yep. I'm just going to, I'm going to. I think I'm going to skip this. I'm just going to conclude with this that, um, well, I want to say this. This is (laughs) 1149. Um, That uh, this is is funny, but you know fasting will make you hungry. Okay. But fasting will make you hungry for God. And so I think you could fast. You could pull aside in a fast because you are hungry for God and you want more. You could pull aside in a fast, or you could pull aside in a fast so that you'll become hungry for God. But it will make you, fasting will make you hungry for God. Do you know that our food now has so many toxins and junk in it, all these additives and toxins and stuff, that you can be overweight and malnourished at the same time? Right? We kind of, we're starting to understand some of these things. You know, it's the same way spiritually. You could just have such a diet of, you know, church programs and, you know, all this, you know, stuff that that you're really spiritually malnourished because there's no hunger for the deep things of God. There's no hunger for the deep things of God. And so I say fat if you're not if you're hungry for the deep things of God fast, if you're not hungry for the deep things of God, pull aside in a fast, you will become hungry for the deeper things of God when you fast So uh, Paul said, I'm stacking my papers up. Paul said in Thessalonians, he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And I found this awesome definition for sanctification in this some really old resource that I did not write down what it was. But it's really old, so we know it's right. It's on the Internet. It's got to be right. Okay. Sanctification. It is the work of the Holy Spirit bringing the whole nature more and more under the influence of new gracious principles implanted in the soul in regeneration. Okay, in other words, when you were born again and you were regenerated, sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit that brings you more and more and more under the influence of those principles. In other words, sanctification is the carrying on to perfection, the work begun in regeneration, and it extends to the whole man. Paul said, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is becoming more and more and more and more under the influence of God's principles that began at regeneration. Now listen, fasting is an essential means for sanctifying yourself. And what did it always say? When they would declare a fast, they would say, consecrate a fast or, you know, sanctify a fast unto me. That's what they would always say. 
when you pull aside in a fast, and you know, this is, you know, sometimes we have like corporate fasts and we fast together, and, um, and I think that's great, but, you know, also just you, you, when you pull aside in a fast, you're pulling away from the world. You're pulling away from the world, and you're pulling aside for God, and it is an essential means for sanctification in fasting. You're going to come more and more and more uh, under the influence of, of the principles of regeneration. I think uh, Candy was sharing that when we fast, when we fast, we are saying that we are first and foremost spirit beings. Is that right? When we fast, we are saying we are first and foremost a spirit being. See, man can't live by bread alone, right? Man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when we fast, we are saying we are more above all else. We are a spirit being and we have to hear from God. And you will hear from God. There's never going to be a good time to fast. It's never going to be convenient. You know, you're not going to necessarily feel like it. Sometimes you're going to want that corn chip really bad, you know, but it isn't, it is an essential means for sanctification. And uh, this is the, what I left the kids with, and I'm going to leave this, leave you with this. Uh, the wise man who built his house on the sand, and the rains came, and the floods came, and the house fell down, and great was the destruction of the house, right? Did I say the wise man did that? Okay. You guys didn't even have to tell me. I, I caught it. Okay. Starting over. The foolish man built his house on the sand. He's the foolish man. Aren't you guys going out of here thinking that's the wrong thing? Okay. The foolish man built his house on the sand, and the rains came, and the floods came, and the house was destroyed. I think it says great was the destruction or something terrible like that. And, uh, but the wise man built his house on the rock. And the floods came, and the rains came, and it withstood, right? So who knows? I know Joseph knows. Who knows? Who can tell me? You guys all know. What is the distinction between the foolish man and the wise man? What does the Bible tell us is the distinction? I can't hear. I hear murmuring. I don't know what. What? That's right. Putting his word into practice. The wise man was the one who heard the word of God and did it. And the foolish man was the one who heard the word of God and didn't do it. And so uh, every time, clearly fasting, that fasting should be a consistent part of our walk with the Lord. Clearly, that's in the word that it should be. And so when we purpose to obey the word, we are building our house on a rock, right? We are hearing the word and doing it, and we're building our house on the rock. Uh, And we're contributing to our foundation, we're contributing to the foundation of our children, our grandchildren, the people around us. And so we want to be, I know that we want to be doers of the word. And uh, I think that's it. That's all I got. Mm-hmm.